Blog Talk Radio. about some fight news and then like I said next week that might be on Monday 
I'm not quite sure. I might try to do one on Monday, the day after Christmas, but we'll figure it out. Um, looking forward to kind of compiling my list like I do every year and, and, and talking through and whatnot. But anyway, there is some fight news, just news in general. David Abanesian filed an official complaint about what happened with the gloves. We'll talk about that. Errol Spence Jr. was at the fight this weekend in Vegas because he's obviously Frank Martin's promoter. Um, he had some some kind of bad news about that accident. It's not a surprise. Um, it's not like he's super, super hurt or whatever. You know, obviously he probably wouldn't have uh, traveled if that were the case, but it does sound like he's going to need a little bit more time to make sure he's fully back. It could be some whiplash, could be just some aches and, and whatnot. Um, and then there's plenty of current fight news that we'll talk about. And of course, the boxing Twitter segment, you know, where we read the tweets of the week. We also kind of have some fun with some fanboys on Twitter. And then once in a while, we got to call out some of the media members for acting like fanboys. And also we'll talk, we'll go over that Jose Ramirez, uh, Regis Progray stuff because, you know, remember it was Ramirez who said he had a wedding. And so that's why he didn't take this fight with Zapata. Or was it Regis? I think it was Zapata. And then, no, they already fought. I can't remember who he was going to fight. I believe it was Zapata. But either way, the WBC, there was a discussion about it. They ruled saying that Jose Ramirez would fight the winner. But the purse split, a little bit of purse split issues. We're going to look at it from both sides. Ellie Setback had them both on, um, on, you know, on IG live and whatnot um they were they were saying some stuff on there a little bit with some detail we'll talk a little bit about that um but there is some management going back and forth as well we know jose ramirez is with top rank and uh pro bellum is who regis progress and you know jose really says he's been saying kind of this whole time or not this whole time but lately like they don't want to do business you know with pro 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 bellum so it's it's there's some detail here, and we're gonna go over it, okay? Because I understand both sides. I get it. I get that, you know, a sixty-five thirty-five is pretty low, or was it seventy-five twenty-five? I can't remember. I have it all jotted down. But um, Coppinger had a report. There's follow-up. Both teams have come out and, and kind of gone back and forth. Um, has there been? It doesn't seem like there's been real negotiation like a back and forth. Uh, it really just doesn't. But we'll, we'll give you some detail on that. And, you know, Ramirez's manager is out there talking about, well, hey, we're worth more than this. It should be 50-50 or we're 60-40 or 55-45. And, you know, obviously Regis is the champion now. Um, and it was the WBC that put out the, 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 the split for the purse bid. So, it's kind of back and forth. I know his manager has been using his ticket sales. Um, and that's great, you know, and that does obviously play into it, no doubt about it. But the revenue from those ticket sales are actually what's most important. And uh, even though people love to dump on certain PBC events, especially the new one is the Armory, because uh, it doesn't create some major gate or anything like that. Um, but there's a lot of fights that do 
you know, from from maybe 50,000, 30,000 up to 500,000. There's not as many fights as people think that do, let's say, five, 600 up to a million. Like, this year we actually had a string of a million-dollar gates, which is a good sign, obviously. Actually, I think the Danny Garcia one, the numbers just came back from Matt from the summer, and he did a million-dollar gate. So um, I can understand, you know, it's just the they, the Ramirez thing. He was selling tickets, no doubt about it, but he was doing it in a in a certain way that they were like five and ten and fifteen dollar tickets. So we can't, and you know, and to be to be fair, Progre is the champion, and you did allow that to happen. You could have just fought and then got married. You know, I understand. I, I even said it on in, excuse me Instagram. He was saying, hey, you know, some people said you shouldn't have got married, and all of a sudden that's not important and stuff like that. And, and I don't, you know, I, I I understand where he's coming from there, but this really just comes down to purse bid, split, and if you don't like the split, then try to negotiate it before. You know, they do give you a little time, and, and I believe that, didn't they, didn't that side, Ramirez, let me, don't take this as 100% fact just yet. I got a, I got, I got a bunch of tweets. I got some information, but um, I believe it was Ramirez's side that said, "Let's just go to an automatic, you know, purse bid, and maybe then they could say, all right, let's see what that percentage is going to be. If not, then we can go someplace else.' Um, something that was really interesting from Jose Ramirez's side is, he, you know, he said that he's actually not that far from being done with his top rank contract so that was pretty interesting and he also said he wants to go to 147 at some point soon so it all through there is a variety of other current fight news like i said and for those who are um thinking that it's the 2022 year in review just a reminder that is next week don't hold me to it i'm going to try to do it monday but don't hold me to it okay i kind of got to go off my other shows and what time I'm going to get back in town and all that good shit. Um, anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope of Dope radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope of Dope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope of Dope, but download the show directly there. It'd be nice if you did. Or uh, listen to the browser. You can find the Rope of Dope radio podcast in a variety of Podcast, iHeartRadio, uh, Player FM, um, Spricker, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, TuneIn, and a host of other areas. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrowingtree.com, uh, Phil Boxing, Eastside Boxing, and one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99. There's a new deal. If you go with the choice package or above, you could save $50 over five months. Um, and you got to do the choice package and above and buy the exclusive DirecTV stream device. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Um, if you go with that choice and above, you do get the three months free of HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, and Cinemax. HBO Max is back on there. That's a savings of $160 over three months. A lot of savings going.
not. Direct TV stream. And by the way, I added that. I ad libbed at the end. Okay, they didn't. They didn't tell me to say a lot of saving fuel. Anyway, before we get to some of that news and all that good stuff, let's talk about the fight card from the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Um, it was a close fight on paper. It wasn't that close in the ring. Uh, as we know, we talked about this last week, Rivera, um, Michelle Rivera was opened as the, uh, the favorite. Then it changed slowly but surely. And by fight week, and even before that, Frank Martin was the favorite. Like I said earlier, I did have Frank Martin by decision. I got a little nervous, though. Like I said, I got a little nervous. Like, he started hitting with some really flush, flush shots. But anyway, um, you know, I mean, the first, shoot, the first four rounds, I'd say, are, are really clean Frank Martin rounds. Um, you know, he started early with the jab in the left hand. Would kind of come with uh, some combinations at some point. He fought at a really good range. He wasn't too far away, wasn't too close, wasn't smothering himself. Um, and his defense, upper body defense, uh, upper body movement, I should say, was really, really good. Um, besides some jabs, nothing of note for Martin early on. Um, in the second round, there was either straight left or left hook. There was a left hook, I believe it was, that shook up Rivera. Um, he landed some clean stop shots. But Rivera, I think two or three punches after that he landed that were pretty well. Uh, they were pretty good, I should say. Um, but, yeah, the angles, a lot of the stuff we talk about, transition from offense to defense, the angles, the upper body movement, it was on full display. And, and sometimes it's just a basic one-two, you know, right hand, left, real simple. Uh, he countered with hooks a whole lot. Um, it was just, it was, it was superb. He really put it on there. Um, you know, Rivera did finally start landing a few jabs and I'd say like he had some decent lands in the fourth round. There was a really, there was a really big body shot late in that fourth round that may have affected, uh, Rivera. He's got a good chin. There's no doubt about that. Um, and early on, I actually wrote this little note early on, get out of the shot, ref. Yeah, what the F? Like, did you notice that early in that fight? It was like, dude, get out of the shot, man. Maybe that guy's a little too old now. But I'd say the right hands to the body, some other shots as well. Um, it was a slower round, but I, I, I believe Rivera, the first round I, I gave him was the fifth. Um, and then... Honestly, like the 6th, 7th, and 8th, you know, it, it was, you could see that it was clearly Martin. Uh, midway through the 6th round, straight left hands, just landing clean shots, perfect range. Like I said, that, that transition to offensive defense was, was doing his thing. 75 seconds left of the 7th round. I think it was a, a left hand that rocked Rivera. Um, it kind of looked like it kind of looked live like a trip possibly, but the left hand is what kind of tripped him off balance. And so he put himself off balance and, and that's why it kind of looked like a trip, but that was a 10, eight round. Um, 
that range, the defense, the better shots, eighth and ninth. I mean, he cleanly won this fight. There, there's not too many rounds you could give, uh, you know, a couple in there, sure. Um, but it was dominant, man. It was dominant. Um, and, you know, they're, like I said, it's just circling, blocking, landing flush shots, rinse and repeat. Um, and, you know, you can see Rivera, like, in the 11th round, starting to really, you know, get countered because he was missing. And another thing about Rivera – he was he was moving right into the right hand, or moving sorry, moving right into the left hand range. You have a, a, a guy who's a southpaw, and he's moving. Martin's moving to his right, or not Martin? Sorry, Rivera's moving to his right, which puts him right in range for a southpaw. Like I understand you do it here and there, but pretty much the whole fight, Rivera kept moving into range. So that that was kind of. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, I mean, how many rounds could you really give them? You're looking at a 12-round fight, and Michelle only landed 67 punches, 174 to 67, 31% to 15. I mean, that's really low, 48 to 29 as far as body shots, 58 to or 56 to 18, uh, jabs. I mean, he just he destroyed them. And I mean that in a nice way. I'm not saying he destroyed him, but he dominated him. I mean, 174 to 67, anytime you're below 100 punches in a 12-round fight, you know you're getting beat pretty clean. Now, a lot of people are talking about, hey, what's next? You know, obviously, uh, Rivera has to go back to the drawing board. He's a young guy. You know, we can't... uh, sit there and throw him out with the trash because, you know, if he, and I've seen some people doing that already. And it's like, well, here we go again. It'll be the same people that complain about, oh, not the best aren't fighting the best or everyone's afraid of their O. And then you dump on them the second they lose their O, you know, clearly not a good matchup for him. Um, he is with a promotional outfit in the PBC that will give him a second and third chance. Uh, they have enough talent at lightweight, and who knows? Maybe he goes to 140 at some point because he is a long, lanky dude. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm not. You know, nobody messaged me. I'm not trying to say there was an excuse there or anything like that. But uh, a lot of people are talking about the Cruz fight, the Isak Cruz fight now, and uh, I mean that would be phenomenal. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, shit, that would be. That would be a fight, man. Um, and, and, you know, for a guy like Isak, you know, the way he brings it all the time, just constantly coming at you, you know, it's a good test. It's a really good test, and I'd like to see it, no doubt about it. Now, it does feel like Isak Cruz is kind of being stashed away for a rematch because it was such a competitive fight. Uh, you know, against Javante Davis. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's officially that's how it's going to go on, but it does kind of feel that way, to be honest, anyway. You have Edwin uh, De Los Santos, which would be, he would be available, in the, you know, because, and when I talk about available, it's not just, oh, he's got a fight, he doesn't have a fight or whatever lined up, but, you know, it's, it's a makeable fight. Chris Colbert, still not a bad fight. 
uh, not a great fight per se, you know, maybe it would have seemed a lot better not long ago, but I'd be okay with that level of opponent too. Um, so yeah, I mean, there is fights out there for him. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see where exactly this goes. You know, it's kind of funny, like I'm looking at the rankings right now and Frank Martin is not ranked in the WBC, the WBA. They have him ranked 10th. Um, he is currently not ranked in the IBF, and he is WBO. I do not see his name, and so he must be really I am that WBA. So that's where he's ranked, right? Was that the one? Yeah, 10th. So he'll definitely go up because uh, Rivera was ranked very, you know, he was ranked second at the time. So he'll definitely go up. Um, but like I said, just a great performance. He definitely did his thing. Uh, very impressive. He, he really put it all together. And um, a lot of people are going to get a lot of shit for this, but I'll just give you a little preview for next week. He's my prospect of the year. And because I do it a little different, you know, if you look at he's for me, he's the definition of the prospect of the year. Most of the time, it's guys with less than 10 fights who knock out people who a lot of times anyway, don't really have a chance to win the fight. And I'm not ripping anybody. I mean, you move your guy, you move your guy. You need to go from four to six to eight to 10 to 12 rounds and all that. There's a process, no doubt about it. But just for knocking some people out or winning a bunch of eight, eight fights or whatever, it just, for me, that doesn't, I don't, I don't. So the prospect, you have to start the year as a prospect and turn yourself into a contender. Now, whether that means you go prospect, a contender, a champion in one year, that's cool. But if you look at, uh, Frank Martin's resume heading into 2022, he was a prospect. And now he is no longer a prospect. So to me, um, you know, these last two wins have been really impressive. So that that's just my personal way of looking at it. Like I said, I know people are going to be like, no, nah, dude, that's not how it is. And, and it, you know, everyone's got their own opinions on it. Um, I just think that it needs to be earned as a prospect to be like, yeah, dude, he was the prospect of the year. Look what he did. Anyway, I'm going to stop arguing with myself. Okay, I'm sure I'll get some some shit on that one. But anyway, um, let's talk about a couple fights here on the undercard. Um, You did have Vladimir uh, Shishkin and uh, Jose Kataji, um, who's got a gi, who's got a chi. I mean, I've heard it like four different ways now, but uh, I'll say this. Jose was in shape for this fight. You know, they were talking about how he, you know, weighed way too much in his last fight. Um, And obviously he's had, you know, issues with the uh, sailing drug test, right? You can make the argument uh, that he shouldn't even be fighting. You know, he shouldn't be sanctioned or whatever, but that's just not how it goes. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not totally against that argument or, 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 you know, That'd be nice, sure, but, you know, that's not the world we live in. Um, I mean, the biggest star in the sport right now got popped. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, Tyson Fury got popped. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, we just saw Connor Ben get popped. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. 
have that debate, people are allowed to fight again, dude. So, you know, I mean, Big Baby is fighting right now, and he was juiced to the gills if you go by his test. But let's get to Shishkin. Um, I liked what I saw out of Shishkin in, in a lot of ways, and I thought right away it didn't feel like it was going to be that major of a test for him. But as this fight got to the middle rounds, and especially later, Uzkakji really put on a good performance, and it was a it was a performance that Shishkin needed at this prospect level, trying to become a contender, right? So um, the cleaner punches, for sure, the first couple rounds, I definitely gave to Shishkin. Um, like in the second round, I mean, overall, he was making it competitive, was uh, Jose, but in the second round, I thought he really did a good job at that. And there was plenty of back and forth and, and several good exchanges in almost every uh, round. Um, like the third, the, the fourth round had times I gave it to Shishkin, I gave the third round too. Uh, beyond the jab right hand, whether the right hand was going to the body or the head, uh, it was most, it was a, or just a lead right hand to the head. Uh, he started adding some uh, uppercuts. He landed a few, especially in the third round there. Fifth round, that's where I thought it, it became very, very competitive to the point where you got to start giving um, Jose some rounds. Uh, not all of them, but you know, he, he would get hit, but then he'd respond back with good shots. So um, the jab was still there for Shishkin, clean combinations and counters. You could give him the fifth. I'm not saying you couldn't for Shishkin, but that one is like a question mark for me personally. Um, I thought the cleaner shot was landed by Shishkin in the, in the sixth round, although there was plenty of exchanges going on. Um, the seventh round, and you this started, I think they talked about on the broadcast, this kind of started to be a trend. Um, you'd see Wisconsin in the early part of the round throwing his hands, throwing right hands, following up with combinations, you know. Um, hooks, more right hands in the last minute. Uh, you could give him the seventh round. Uh, I think that was crazy. Uh, Shishkin was on the move, landing his one and twos, you know, the one twos. Um, I did give him the eighth round, Uskadji. I thought he, he landed uh, just a nasty uppercut that definitely rocked um, rocked him. And then hooks as well. Um, and Shishkin kind of looked buzzed, but you know what? He was landing back, so it kind of showed me something um, right there. I was like, all right, dude, you can, you, you can take a good shot, obviously. So um, moving on to the ninth round, I gave it to Uskadji too. Uh, in the early part and maybe the mid part, he was on the move Shishkin with the jab in the right hand. But another thing is, Uzgaji started landing his jab more and more, doubling up on it and then following it with the right hand. A lot of give and take, close round in the ninth round. But I did give it to Uzgaji another close round in the tenth. You could give it either side. I gave it to Uzgaji, but that was a close, close round. I wouldn't be mad at either one there. Um, and then the 11th and 12th, I thought this is where the development came in, where you just had from, let's say, 5 to 10, rounds 5 to 10, that you were getting some good work and losing rounds. And for me, Shishkin really did really well in the 11th and 12th. And it was the first time he went the distance. Uh, I think he's gone the distance, the 12-round distance. I think he's gone, is it 
two ten rounders. I think it's two ten rounders, and now a, a full twelve. Let me double check on that. I think he's got them in the tenth round. Actually, he's got them in the tenth round three times. That's right, because he scored a tenth round knockout. So um, he's definitely got some rounds in. No doubt about that. So I thought that. Um, more jabs with the left hook or just a single jab, uh, a few lead right hands. Um, and like I said, Uzgaji rallied a tad late, but not enough. And then an early right hand, there was a head clash, or maybe like, I don't know how early it was, but it was a pretty nasty head clash. Uh, Shishkin was just busier, good exchanges the last maybe 20, 25 seconds. And overall, Shishkin won for me. Uh, two cards had 117-111, and then one was 115-113. I think – I'm not sure about 7-5, to five, I guess. Let's see, the fifth, you, if you gave them 6-7. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go 8-4, to four, but, um, you know, it's somewhere in between 9-3 and 7-5. 238-162, both of them landed at a high percentage, 32-31. and 31. Uh, Shishkin was busier throwing. 230 more punches. So, um, I liked what I saw. Out of, uh, like I said, Jose as well. He was in great shape in that fight. So, I think he still has uh, that gatekeeper vibe going for him, and and he can still make some money. Now, what's next is Vladimir Shishkin, who I think was rated 15th in one of them. One of the, uh, when I say one of them, I mean the sanctioned bodies. I believe he was 15th. Um, I don't think he's ranked in many of them. But David Morrell Jr., my guy from Cuba, uh, or from Minneapolis via Cuba, he, he, you know, he trained in Houston. But my guy David Morrell was there. He was flashing for the camera. He's a flashy guy, doing his thing, throwing little air combos and whatnot, uh, talking to Caleb, trying to run up on Caleb Plant. No, I'm just kidding. He wasn't trying to run up on him. But he was basically saying, hey, man, can I get next? No, but um, why not make Vladimir Shishkin and David Morell? Is that a, a step too much for Shishkin? Maybe, but it is a quote-unquote title fight, whatever you want to make of that. I mean, technically it still is, right, even though, you know, WBA has two of them. But um, I would love that fight. I would love that fight. Let me say it again because um, – I mean, it's probably not going to be till at least March that Caleb Plant Benavidez. So there's no point in waiting until next fall to fight the winner. You know what I mean? In my opinion, and that might be a rematch. It might be such a good fight that there's a rematch or somebody loses and they want a rematch. I just got some messages. <laughs> yeah, that negative six, it, it hits, dude. It hits. So where I was talking about it's actually, I just I just looked at it again. It's negative 7. I'm looking at my phone, and it looks like at 2 a.m. it's negative 11. That's going to be the low. The snow is going to start at 10 o'clock. But I'm going, if you want to look it up, Cross Lake, Minnesota, right? It's like probably almost three hours north of Minneapolis. Right now, dude, it's negative 17, and the lowest is going to be negative 19, dude. Um so it's, I mean, when your highs are like single digits, like Wednesday up there, the high is negative four, negative 
five, but I'm going to get up there Saturday. The high is, is two. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it is a little nasty up here. Um, but, you know, it's, it's Minnesota. So, uh, actually, the someone said, so North Dakota and then, like, International Falls, like, up by Canada, that shit, that's already been, like, negative 18 a couple, like, maybe 10 days ago. It gets super cold there. North Dakota's actually the coldest state, the, the coldest metropolitan area in the continental U.S. Obviously not – we're not talking about Alaska – but the coldest metropolitan area is, is here, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. That's the coldest in the country as far as the continental country. But North Dakota is the coldest state, dude. It, it's, it is. It's super cold. And they don't have a lot of cities or suburbs there per se, uh, like bigger ones. So, you know, they, they got a lot of – it's similar to South Dakota that way too where it just – it hits you. It's – yeah, it is flat. Yep. Sorry, I'm having a conversation with somebody. But it's not like flat like Nebraska and Iowa, though. Like, North Dakota actually has the rolling hills, so it is a little different. But with that wind, it's, it's, it's going to be cold. But like I said, it sounds like it's going to be cold all over, you know, most of the country. So, like I said, I'm really hoping for, you know, the south there that their, their grid holds up, dude, because that's just nothing nice. But anyway, sorry. I'm here having a conversation with someone. <laughs> Uh, but thanks for looking out. Yeah, it's a little cold. We're going to be okay. David Burrell, Shishkin, make it. Make it happen. You were at the fight. Why were you at the fight? Might as well. Might as well make the fight. I think that would be great. I think that would be awesome. Sign me up for that. Um, oh, this was an interesting matchup here, too. Uh, the, what is it, Astro Lobby? Laba? Astro Lobby? Labio? What is it? I can't remember what it is. Astro Labios. Labio. Astro Labio. And um, Potapiev. Tapiev? I think it was Potapiev. Um, Astro Labia. Well, that was a good, that was an interesting fight. I actually liked that fight. I thought it was a, a good fight, a good competitive fight um, for how long it lasted anyway. And you know, um, the first knockdown kind of looked like a cuff. It was a right hand, kind of a cuffing shot. Um, Potapov had the jab and, and a few nice left hooks. Um, but there was like a graze counter. I don't know. It kind of felt like a push. I don't know. It was a kind of a cuffing. It's kind of a weird, weird thing there, but, um, Astro, Astro Labia, Lama, Labia, what, how is that, Labio, um, he landed some really nice shots to the head and body in the last part, uh, there was a knockdown in exchange, like a counter, kind of like I said, a push graze type thing, uh, you know, it is what it is, but it was 10-8, um, and then in the second round, um, actually the, the, the early part, the early and mid, the jabs and left hands were really good from Potapios. Um, you could have said though that with some, like in the last part, there were some really nice combinations. Maybe um, Astrolaba, Labia, Laba, is it Laba, Loba, Astrolobia. 
Um, he could have sold that round, but after that, I'm, I'm looking at my scorecard. I didn't give any more to Potapio. I, I didn't. I, I just thought he didn't win enough. There, you know, he was landing during some exchanges. It was a good. It was still good action and whatnot. But the jab, jab right hand um, in the fourth round, Astrolabio landed a really nice left hook in a big ass right hand. Fifth round, he scored another knockdown um, with an uppercut that landed really hard. But prior to that, he had lands like uh, multiple punches to the body, too. Actually, I'm thinking of the last round. That's my bad. That's my bad. Yep. It was an uppercut that landed hard. It was like a delayed reaction, took a knee, got up, and landed, you know, some more shots. It was a 10 8 round. The sixth round, 60 seconds in. Few choppy right hands from Astrolabio, um, and I think it was a right uppercut, knocked him down. But prior to that knockdown, it was like a three punch combo to the body, and I actually thought that that kind of loosened him up per se. Um, so yeah, he stopped him in the sixth round. Uh, good performance, no doubt about it. Um, overall, a pretty good card when it comes to the televised stuff, but they also had YouTube stuff too. And obviously, as we know, uh, Vincent Estralabio or Laba, he's the guy who beat, you know, um, earlier this year, I think it was February. Actually. Yeah. I think it was on the Thurman uh, Barrios card. If I remember correctly. Anyway, he beat uh, Ringo. That was a big upset there. So now he's put together another, you know, win and he's 18 and three right now um he got stopped uh it was a while back 2018 um um, yeah he had a close decision loss i mean i don't know he's got he's got some life let's put it that way he's got some life so it was a good good performance we'll see where you know both guys go from there um so that was the triple header as far as you know the the card goes but we also had um, uh, Mer- was it Merzaliev? Merzaliev, the dude who's uh, who I believe is Jamal Charlo's. Uh, he's been his mandatory for a little bit. He's been doing step inside. He he got a um, he got a win. I saw some of that over Venezuela. I think it was um, Elijah Lorenzo Garcia over Stewart. Was that like the second round? I think that was the second round. Adrian Benton, um, Kenneth Sims Jr. won. Um, Ray Robinson won, not that Ray Robinson. Uh, Robert Merriweather, a third one as well. Um, oh, yeah, then uh, Kevin Johnson was beat by Christian Baez. I saw some of that fight, too. Um, it was a 10-rounder, I believe. Competitive fight. Competitive fight. That guy had gotten by uh, Torios, or Torres in Lopez, actually, that Luis Alberto Lopez. Um, and then, oh, yeah, Omar Juarez and Austin Dulé. And, and I think I, I saw a good chunk of that fight. Omar won, but he he got deducted, like, what was it, two or three? I think it was two or three uh, low blows. So he, you know, still won the fight, but, dude, like, you got to be a little bit more careful on that one because uh, that can that can catch up to you pretty quick. Um, so yeah, it was because uh, like I said, I think you can go. I'm 
let me check. Um, Showtime streamed that. So if you want to check that out, I believe it's still there. So, um, but yeah, overall, um, a good card. A good card. Um, the uh, do, do some other stuff from the weekend. Oh, Chris Billiam Smith. Shout out to the UK. He had a nasty fifth round KO. I'm talking nasty. Uh, Dan, what is it? Aziz. Aziz. He. There was a. It was a corner stoppage actually, in the eighth round over Rocky Fielding. He handled him. Uh, um, Angel Vasquez beat Nick Sullivan. Diego De La Hoya picked up a. Actually, it was a technical. I was going to say a, a decision, but a technical. Well, it was a decision, but it was a technical decision over uh, Santos, I believe it was. Uh, Jose Santos Gonzalez, I think it was. There was a head clash. He, he pretty much cleanly won that. Uh, Raul Curell, I think it is. Um, that was on that disown card. Was that the headliner? I think it was the headliner. Yeah. Um, it was Brad Solomon, just a fringe guy uh, who's been around the block, that's for sure. Left uppercut, if I remember correctly. I didn't write, I didn't, I didn't write notes on that. But it was left uppercut, if I remember, is the second round. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a pretty, pretty good weekend. Like I said, it would be interesting to see what Chris William Smith does next. He's been kind of making some noise um, of late. And uh, so, yeah, overall, like I said, give me Shishkin and Morrell Jr., dude. That, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Good test for both of them. Both guys have, have been the distance a fair amount now. And uh, I think it's just a good matchup for where they're at, you know, and I'm also selfishly looking, you know, on the side of my guy, David Morrell. But, you know, I, I do want him to continue to fight pretty good fighters instead of just jumping in the ring with the winner of, of you know, Caleb and, and uh, David Benavides. So that'd be nice. I'd have to say that would be nice. By the way, RIP Steve Smoker. Um, he's definitely one of the, the favorites out there for most people as far as a referee. As we know, he's been around in the sport for a long, long time. Been seeing all these old pictures of him. And so RIP, he passed away, unfortunately. It's a pretty uh, sad situation there. Um, we did this from Jake Donovan a couple days ago. Uh, T. Vanesian files official complaint with Nebraska Athletic Commission over Globe's scandal. Um, which, you know, there's no surprise here. You kind of got to do it. Uh, the official complaint has been filed with, you know, with the Nebraska Athletic Commission on behalf of Avenation, addressing the manner in which Terrence Bud Crawford was permitted to continue with a pair of defective boxing gloves during their WBO welterweight title fight. And, you know, it was, they, they, they were checking out the gloves. Was it the ref that even said, let's, or was it the commission, let's, let's, Let's go another round and see what happens, and then and then maybe we'll go to the the, the backups. I think the referee, uh, Sparkly Lee, was was who it was. So the, the start of the sixth round in deciding round was delayed when the referee called time to observe uh, both the gloves for, provided by Everlast. We talked about that; they were coming apart at the seams. Um, do 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 
do so. Yeah, they, they you know, they just onside WBO supervisor Russell Moore. Um, discussion ended with agreement that they would allow the round to proceed before switching out gloves to Cropper's second approved set before the next round. I just that's the part like well, well if you're gonna replace them, what replace them now? Like if you're like oh let's give it it's not like a cut well let's see let's see what the cut looks like in a round you know it, it, the gloves are fucked up so change them it really doesn't even take a crazy amount of time um that was so it says uh oh man the manager of Evan. I have serious concerns over the issue that preceded the stoppage, specifically relating to the clear and obvious defect in Terrence Crawford's gloves. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to figure something out, too. Let's do it in another round, man. It, it just it doesn't make sense. And they bring up different Chapter 4 Rule 006.01 um, and 006.02 gloves of the NAC rules and regulations, all gloves must be furnished by the promoter and in a new or good condition and also whole, clean, and, uh, you know, sanitary condition. The third and final part of the rule states that all gloves must be examined and approved by the commission, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and it's actually not blah, blah, blah. There are some other stipulations, too. If a glove breaks or a string becomes um, untied during the bout, the referee will instruct the timekeeper to take the timeout while the glove issue is being corrected. So, yeah, they clearly shouldn't have let that go. Um, and, you know, people are having, you know, debates back and forth about, oh, it didn't do anything to the knockout. It is what it is. And he was on the way to knocking him out anyway. And that, that's fine and dandy. And, and that could be just that's that's true. I get it. I understand why. Well, we don't know for a fact that maybe the gloves weren't that messed up enough to affect, you know. So you just kind of, you just kind of go with what you're supposed to go with, follow the rules. And they obviously knew that there was something going on with the glove enough to stop it and then decide, well, let's go another round. The another round thing, like I said, I'm not trying not to be repetitive, but it's like, what the fuck, dude? What do you mean another round? You know, like, yeah. So it'll probably get changed to a no contest, rightfully so. Do I think Crawford can knock out Amnesian with, you know, 10-ounce gloves? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I do. But, you know, it is what it is. You go by the, the rules. Um, so we have, this is Keith Eidick from, I think, Monday. Um, and this is Errol Spence. These are, you know, couple different, I know it was Ellie Setback and, and uh, Custer. And so basically they were talking about um, his next fight. And, you know, obviously he got you know, hit head on in his SUV from that 14-year-old kid in the Dallas area. Um, he basically says do, 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 that it was hurt badly enough to, to need time off from training. Spence told Custer he had expected to announce his next fight, presumably against Keith Thurman. Uh, I was going to have a fight announced probably like three or four days after my accident, or before it, or yeah, after. Uh, but, you know, stuff started hurting and things like that, so we kind of pushed it back and wait on the announcement. This 
so, which you can't really blame them. Uh, probably like May or June, May, June, April, May or June, something like that. I just got to, you know, talk to my team. You know, hopefully, you know, I'll recover 100%. I'm sure I'll recover 100% because I've been in worse accidents. You know, so. Um, but, yeah, they're going to um, come up with the, you know, that suits both of us and make it happen. He suffered. Oh, he goes on to say his other stuff. So, yeah, I mean. I have seen some people kind of, you know how it is on boxing Twitter and social media in general, calling them out. Dude, you should, you're going to be out of the ring. Dude, you shouldn't be out of the ring longer, dude. You know, it's like, dude, he just said he's feeling a little sex from the goddamn. I mean, did you see the, did you see the accident? I mean, we don't, I should say the effects of the accident on the car. We didn't see the accident. At least I haven't seen any footage from it. Um, it looked pretty fucking you know what I mean? I don't know what, what you know, if it's just soreness, general soreness or whatnot, but it's like a lot of times that happens the next day. You can have that adrenaline, like, what the fuck's going on? And then you wake up, you're stiff, sore. All of a sudden, you're like, God, my neck's a little tight. My muscles are tight. So hopefully that he just needs a little rest and he'll be good to go because that would, that would suck. But if you're going to sit there and dog him for getting hit. I remember that day that it happened or that night where, oh, I remember a couple of people ran with he, he was drinking and driving and all this stupid shit. It's like, dude, at least let the facts come out. I mean, is it possible, you know, that he drinks and drives again? Maybe he already did, but like to sit there and be like, oh, he's drunk ass got hit. It's like, what are you talking about? I just, some people just run with it. Like I said, for social media, but there is a boxing Twitter segment tweet that I'll show you. Dude, really? Like, it just—it's pretty stupid. Um, this is from today, earlier today. Boxing scene, Usyk promoter on the Fury fight. We are negoti—we are in negotiations with three countries in the Middle East. Um, so we have a basic option to make it happen at Wembley or Cardiff or any place in the UK. But as long as we're we are working for our man who is the best heavyweight in the world. We will bring uh, him the biggest benefits. So um, we are now working working on the site. We are in negotiations with three countries in the Middle East, and we still have a basic option here in Great Britain. So the worst scenario, which would be the worst, <laughs> but um, that he go to Wembley or a big U.K. stadium. Otherwise, uh, the deadline for the fight take place, we agree together, is – uh, the 4th of March. So, um, and earlier, um, or actually, I guess late in the week, last week, there was a report uh, on the flip side of that um, from the Sun, which, you know, is not necessarily <laughs> a great source at all times, right? But it, it was kind of saying, Fury was saying, you know, they have a two-fight plan, and it won't work likely. You know, they'll, they'll he say, well, his quote says, I'm going to make an example out of him in the Middle East and then bring him back to Wembley. There's no, oh, yeah, okay. I was going to say his little stupid, you know. I'll give him, I'd like to get him in there in February, make an example of him, then give him a rematch and we can do it at Wembley. So um, if the Middle East can deliver like they said they can, 
uh, for the last year or so, then they're going to deliver. So it does sound like uh, that fight is going to happen, which obviously is great, great news. Great news. And Terrence Crawford, just to add it, someone sent me this uh, tweet. I'm ready when you, you want to spin the block. I, th- I think you meant spin the block. I'm ready when you want to spin the block, just giving you a heads up is all. So, sure. Um, and we will get into that Jose Ramirez, Regis Progray stuff um, in just a second. Uh, so, yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully Spence, you know, I don't really – I mean, by January 7th, that's – isn't the 7th? That's when uh, Gervonta Davis and Hector Garcia – and Hector Luis Garcia um, are fighting. I mean, do you think Showtime would uh, would just release the major schedule by that time, like after New Year's or between Christmas and New Year's maybe? Uh, maybe they were going to do it, and that was part of the announcement with uh, the Spence Thurman. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Not really sure. Someone just questioned uh, or asked me a question. Not questioned me, but asked me a question about uh, you know that stuff. So about when are they going to release it? I, I really don't know, man. It's tough to say. We pretty much know a bunch of the fights now, um, but I'm not totally sure about that. To be honest with you, not 100% sure. Um. Okay, so okay, so this is this is Progray uh, reacting to quote unquote Ramirez turning down a world world title shot. That's what the headline says. Okay, says I'm disappointed to hear that Ramirez is not giving uh, not going through with the fight. I've been wanting to fight him for the past five years, and it's bullshit. He doesn't want to fight me now that I'm the champion. It shows that he never wanted, never will fight me. It's not my fault he decided to get married and pass on the fight. If he wants to fight for a belt, he knows where to find me. Now, here's the thing, okay? So Michael Coppinger, he came out with this report saying, Jose Ramirez has passed up a title shot versus Regis Progress after the WBC set the purse split at 65-35 in favor of him, in favor of the champ, right? So, you know, it is what it is. Um, he basically, this is what he, Ramirez told him, that told Coppinger that. Okay, so he said, well, Jose will return March 25th in Fresno per sources. He's in talks to beat Richard Comey per Lou DiBella. So to me, that was like, wow, that was quick. And from my understanding is they called for the purse bid automatically. And so maybe they, like I said earlier, that they wanted to just know the split, and then if that, then that we're moving on. Then. So, I mean, how much was this? I mean, I don't – just going back and forth on Twitter is not negotiation, okay? But this is what Ramirez said uh, to Coventry. I'm disappointed in the split. Um this fight should definitely be a 50-50. I was okay with taking 10% less, but I can't be fighting for free and risk too much of a pay cut. I mean, you're not going to be fighting for free, but I understand it. And he does have a minimum. That's over a million dollars. Made that clear. Boxing is a tough sport. 
uh, we make sure we get you know what we what, what we're valued. This is a huge fight for program that is not being. This is a huge fight versus program that is not being promoted properly. Hopefully, we can make the fight in the future when both get compensated as we compensated as we should. So, so I get that part. I get that part. Um, and Ramirez goes on to say, I, I bring the network and the most value to the fight. I was willing to take less, but take a fourth of what my minimum is, is not acceptable. If Progray wants the fight, we'll go 50-50, 10% off the, the winner. Ramirez pushed hard, Coppinger says, pushed hard for this fight and was willing to take 40%. I don't find it unreasonable that he didn't want, you know, the 35. Uh, it was headed to purse bid since TR Pro Bellum don't work with each other. So he's saying I was cool with the 40, but I want 50-50. And then there was also that 40-40 or 45-45 talk and then 10%, you know, put away for the winner. I mean, when the guy has the belt, generally not always the way that goes. Sometimes it does, though, but I don't know. I mean, um, this is lefty. Uh, I don't understand turning down a fight without negotiating. The split, even if it goes to purse bid, they're still in open negotiations. Uh, even if it goes to purse bid, his promoter wins, he can still negotiate more You know, from the split with his own promoter. I mean, he can get more money. And people, I did see... Uh, you know, people talking about, and this is actually somebody else, are both sides able to negotiate without the, the mandate? Um, if Jose's cool with the 60-40, aren't the people able to work a, a, a cut? You know, because they were bringing up Virgil Ortiz. Golden Boy's kicking in money to make the Virgil whole, that part. So basically, Coppinger, someone asked Coppinger, but isn't Virgil going to fight Stan Onius for 25%. Sounds like Ramirez just doesn't believe in himself. Um, and somebody else said he's shown he could draw well in Dallas, the Dallas area. Bob must know Jose isn't a ticket draw or he make the money work. So basically, why doesn't top rank kick in a little bit more money if that's the case? Or, or just win the purse bid and then give him a little bit more money. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is kind of funky that all of a sudden, oh, by the way, March 25th, Fresno, I got to fight. Richard Coleman, probably. So, to me, it's a little shaky. This is boxing wreck gray, dying at Ramirez acting like, he's dying at Ramirez acting like he would have been paid 30 grand in a sack of magic beans with that purse split as if nobody was going to bid on the fight. Uh, it was a perfect opportunity for some drunk third-party promoter to drop $5 million. Yeah, you never know who, who would have grabbed it. Um, so this is more from Ramirez. And by the way, just to give more on Regis, too, Regis was saying, hey, man, you keep bringing up the Probellum fight, but that, or the Probellum stuff, that top rank and Probellum don't work together. Okay, but that's, you know, that's not my fault either. And then they started bringing up, well, why didn't you fight me? Like Jose said, why didn't you fight me? And this is all Elliot's setback, IG straight. But he was like, why didn't you fight me before the tournament? Why did you go in the tournament? And I remember that back then because, and, he, and this is what Regis said, dude, you guys, ESPN gave me a card in New Orleans. I think it was in New Orleans, at least Louisiana. I think it was in New Orleans. They gave me an ESPN card 
because the plan was to fight you. And then it just kind of fell apart after that. And as we know, Jose Ramirez did not go into the tournament. He did end up unifying, though, with uh, with Hooker. Um, after Hooker beat, who was that, Sacedo? Because I think Sacedo Hooker was on ESPN. They won the purse bid. And then that's when, when Hooker won the zone matchroom. They put up so much money for the purse bid that they were like, screw it. Like, top rank allowed Ramirez to go to the zone for that fight. He obviously knocked Hooker out. It was a pretty good fight, but he, he knocked him out. But the point is, he, and then Jose started saying stuff to Reed, just like, well, I didn't know who you were then, dude. So and you didn't know who I was, but I didn't know who you were. Because so. then he started, I don't know, it sounded like he was kind of like, I don't know, it's like kind of making excuses because you you were the one who brought it to Reed just saying, hey, dude, why didn't you fight me when you had a chance? You know, it's like, well, they never offered him the fight. That was the plan. I, re- I remember this clearly because Progray was on Showtime. And he said, he went there because he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a title shot here, you know, and and it is true that you know they were well, I think they, I'm pretty sure they actually gave it to Regis, so and I mean that date, and then the tournament came up, and obviously that was good money, dude, you know, and so, and you know, I do want to say that he, uh, Jose Ramirez did say they never offered me the tournament, you know, he never offered. And that's fair, you know, that's cool, no problem Um, I think it was, let me look at it There it is, Lakefront Arena, New Orleans Juan Jose Velasco uh, June 14th, this is early on in that deal Uh, Because wasn't the Manny fight Like right around 4th of July that summer? I think it was, that's that's what started off the card So anyway And they fought this summer and literally, by uh, October, he was fighting Terry Flanagan. So, and he fought uh, um, Relic, and then he fought Taylor. And I'm talking, of course, of Regis Progress. So, it was kind of weird. You know, it's like, of course he's supposed to go take that deal. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? They were offered a lot of money for, this, for being in that tournament. So, I don't know. The way Jose kept saying it to him, to Regis on the live, he was like, you know, you don't have a network and stuff like that. It's like, all right, that's cool. You know, no big deal. But that's not my, you know, it's not it, like if you want it so bad, why didn't you just sign with top rank? Well, they were willing to line up, you know, they were willing to line up with that. So, and I'm not saying, oh, it's just blatantly, by the way, someone just texted me this holiday fight night for, uh, speaking of Luda Bella, um, so, yeah, this is through Boxing Insider. Holiday Fight Night, the evening of professional boxing on Broadway. That's tomorrow, the 21st. Times Square, 235 West 46th Street, Sony Hall. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of – it's a little shaky, I got to admit. I'm not saying anybody's ducking. This person's not ducking that. They're per- – they're- Ducking, dug everybody ducking. I'm not saying that. By the way, did I say uh, Gonzalez beat Ivan Cano in a ten round? That was that. I didn't. I didn't score that, but that was a good fight. That was a good fight. That was a Golden Boy, a Golden Boy card. 
That's right. That was a good fight. That was a good fight. Um, but anyway, sorry. Got a little sidetracked there. I did mean to uh, bring that up. I did. But I don't know, man. Like, some of it's just a little weird, I got to admit. It's like, so why 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 did you guys try to negotiate it? And now they're on Twitter negotiating on Twitter. and We know how that works usually. You know what I mean? So kind of funky. You know what I mean? Um, where was I, though, before I – there was a post. Here we go. So this is uh, this is Ramirez, right? He said, let's break this da- – or no, this is his promoter. That's right. Let me break this down for you all shit talkers with the facts. Uh, why Ramirez and Prograde didn't happen. You see they're on this didn't happen. They're not negotiating it, dude. Not really. Not going back and forth and all that. Um, Ramirez, here it is. Ramirez pursued the fight immediately and moved to a purse bid um, and simply asked for a fair split. So instead of negotiating for 30 days or whatever the hell, sometimes it's a little shorter, but if you feel like you're you're making progress after 30 days, we know you can get extensions. Um, so they, they they said let's get right to the person. So it's like, well, hold on, dude, you didn't even negotiate. Regis is an incredible fighter. This is so he's got like a list of reasons. Okay, so that was one the split thing. Regis or the they saying, hey, I'm ready to fight this guy. Um, then he goes on and says, you know, Regis is an incredible fighter that is respected by us and all and a true talent, but in comparison to business, to the business Ramirez does, this is a, a business. Regis does not and has never come close to what Ramirez earnings and his drawing power over basically a 12 arena fights, 130,000 people. His uh, endorsements, network back promoter, equity built in them, brings a resume that includes Olympia moniker, blah, 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 okay? So 130,000 people, that is a lot, right? Um, but we do have to go back in time because you could say a number, but you do have to – the revenue is the important part. Now, I still think some of that revenue is going to be higher than what Regis was doing. Like Regis did get a fight in uh, New Orleans, and it didn't do that well, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not saying Ramirez is on the A side, but he isn't, he isn't the – the, the champion, though, too. So there, there's a combination here, right? Let's not forget it was not Ramirez making the time for his family and wedding. Regis would not have got, oh, if it wasn't for him making the time for his family and wedding, Regis would not have gotten the shot, period. So to me, it's like, well, hold on, dude. You can't say, hey, we're going to we're going to let you guys fight and then we'll all fight the winner and then be like, well, we'd let you fight. Dude. Well, that's true, but you know, so it was, uh, it would have been a rematch. Zapata and, uh, Zepeda and Ramirez. I think it was right on that. But anyway, um, Ramirez suffered more than any fighter through COVID time training for, I don't, I don't know about that. That's his manager. Um, any fighter through the COVID time, blah, 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 almost 16 months having a fight after fight fall out, missing birthdays for his son, canceling, you know, weddings and all that. There is no – and then number four is there's no no one that Regis can fight to come close to what he would make with Ramirez as Tiafimo 
won't fight for 30%. His handlers won't let him fight Regis as he, he would destroy him as well. Uh, we all just saw Lopez, you know, saw Lopez can fight at 140. Or can't fight at 140, excuse me. I'm reading this a little weird. Regis should have sent, oh, here we go. Regis should have sent Ramirez a thank you card to do a 50-50 split, let alone what Ramirez is willing to do and give him a higher split and still expose in exposure from a major network. Regis will make less than half of what he would have with Ramirez against the available guys now. Ramirez will make two point two and a half times more than Regis will make fighting as a champion. Ramirez is willing to take a massive pay cut to fight, but the split giving Regis a double Ramirez would get is just comical. Um, Ramirez has a real team and a great manager himself who could put on an event for him from top to bottom, create multiple revenue streams, as well as a promoter with a major network, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Regis does not have that. Worst, uh, Regis does not have that. Still not going to Regis, blah, 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 blah. So, um, you know, and this is what he said. This is why 30% doesn't work, and they have pictures of 15,000 people at a top 10 arena in the world. I, I don't understand. Like a top ten arena in the world? What's that mean? I mean, who says that's the top ten arena in the world? That that's where you're like, okay, you're. We get it, dude. You're you're his manager. We get that. Um, I'll let you morons who don't understand take take in the image. The fight would have taken place right now at forty percent for Ramirez and sixty for Pro Greg Ramirez. Uh, he tried. Period. Well. Now, see, he's saying we would have taken the 40%, but then Ramirez is saying let's do a 50-50. So it's real funky, dude. And Jay Rose says, you know, what's the average ticket sales? And he says, I know the answer, so relax. <laughs> every, so, you know, people were saying every, everywhere in Fresno gets free tickets every time I have gone through free voucher local restaurants and stores give them out. Um, you can take it. There's a voucher you can take to the box op- office and get your free ticket or upgrade the ticket you have for better seats. One voucher works for up to four tickets. Great way to get butts in the seats, uh, but I don't know about the revenue. And that's a that that's a normal thing. People don't act like they want to pick and choose when that goes on, but that does go on. And that's also talking about the armory. Yeah, only I think the highest they've sold is like 1,800 tickets. Usually it's right around the thousand, a little over a thousand, um, and then they do giveaways, corporate giveaways on the radio stations, yada yada yada. So I don't know. Um, and he goes on to say, I respect the hustle. Fifty thousand is fifty thousand, even with the voucher. You probably pay for parking, drinks, food, all that stuff. But that's that sold twice the amount tickets wise of Triple Tito Estrada uh, did. It did half the gate. So, you know what I mean? That they're, I remember looking at those gates going, oh, wow, they keep saying that he's a huge ticket seller. But that was more like to pump him up, you know? Um, so this is Sam Kathavosky. Kath- Kath- um, zero attempt was done to try and strike a deal. 
if Ramirez tried and wanted it, why not call our side? Why not call our side? You, you're simple. You simply pivoted to an easier fight. There's no need to make a thousand reasons and excuses. Simply passed up a title opportunity. That's a fact. That's what this guy says. Okay. Now Rick came back for Ramirez's side and says, like I said, we made you an offer. Ramirez tried and offered a fair split to get it done, and that's not passing. It's that's not passing. It's understood that two promoters don't engage, but you and your side could have made an offer. Also, you can't find a better deal or situation. Um, and then he comes back. What offer? a letter to the WBC to change the purse split without letting us know, it's not considered an offer. It personally, and I personally tried to call you twice but got your voicemail. Stop misrepresenting the facts. So that's the thing. And the one thing Regis said, you know, the fighters can talk. He said this when he was talking to Ellie Setback and, and uh, you know, and Ramirez. And he said, you know, it's one thing for us to talk, but then when the business actually takes over, different things are, you know, it's just different. It's not as easy as we try to make it seem sometimes. So it is what it is. We could say we agree to disagree to that, you know, and that's a perfect example. You know, he's saying, oh, they would have taken 60-40, his manager, but then he's on, <laughs> he's online saying let's do a 50-50. So it's kind of, it is kind of different, you know, and I'm not trying to separate Jose Ramirez. This is how this shit goes. You know, so, I don't know, man. I, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Boxing, this shit happens. I gotta say, though, to, to, I don't know, like, just looking at it as fair as possible with the information we know now, right now, um, it doesn't, it just didn't seem like they were too excited to make the fight, because you, you why wouldn't you negotiate? I mean, you could call for the cur- the purse bid, and they could schedule it a week away. Usually that's what it is. And then you could even negotiate then, you know? So it doesn't really sound like, like, like I said, I keep going back to the same thing. Why push for the purse bid right away immediately? Why not negotiate? Why not go back and forth? Why not try to find something in between? So, I mean, how many fights... There's plenty of fights that don't go to purse bid, and they get delayed. Oh, we need another two weeks. We need another week. All right, cool, another 10 days. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. And I know Jose Ramirez was saying now everyone thinks I'm ducking you, and Regis said a real, you know, straight-up thing. He's like, dude, but it's not about that because everyone – some people are saying I'm ducking you. Some people are saying, you know, that, that just, that, that's just going to happen. People are going to talk, you know what I mean? So – I mean, it is what it is, man. It doesn't really seem like they look to make the fight, though. I'll say that. It doesn't. It really doesn't, you know, because they didn't negotiate. <laughs> so they knew that the, the – they didn't know what the person, you know, the splits would be for sure. Part of the agreement should have came with that. Hey, if I, I agree to let this go, what purse bit are you going to – you know, what, what split are you going to give me, you know? And I understand he had a wedding. That's cool, but – you know, it is what it is. Like business before pleasure, I guess. I don't know. And like I said, he had a tough time. You know, during COVID, had to skip a bunch. You know, uh, replan weddings and 
family stuff, and, and I understand all that, man, and I get that. You know, I do get that. And uh, maybe where he was in California, the restrictions were even worse, and that's what he's talking about too, which could be. I don't, I don't know for a fact, but I could see that. I mean, um, it's not in the same area, but I know, like, for instance, the Stanford football team, right? Well, during COVID, they had what sounds like to be like the toughest restrictions. So, you know, they had a, they, they couldn't practice a ton as a team. And it affected greatly these last two years. So maybe that's what he was talking about too. But um, if you're willing to do a deal, why the fuck call for the bid right away? You know, why call for an immediate bid? It kind of sounds shaky. Um, and they didn't negotiate. So it's like, why don't you let the managers negotiate then? And then bring it to the team. I, I don't know. Anyway, this is from, this is actually a, from Teofimo's boxing scene. Teofimo Lopez refutes that he's, refutes that he's lacking confidence. I know I got it. Are you dumb? Because remember, he said, you know, do I still got it? Do I still got it? Although Lopez has openly doubted himself, the hard-hitting star has swiftly refuted his lack of confidence. He says, I know I got it. Remember, I give you guys all something to talk about. So that's the way he was swinging it. He was saying, oh, dude, I basically just revved you guys all up, you know. He says, I know I got it. Are you dumb or dumber? (laughs) So I don't know, man. (laughs) It's, It's a little funky. It's a little funky. Um, anyway, um, reveals that he will not immediately vacate those four belts at 118. And not, he hasn't completely ruled out one more fight at 118 as of yet. They will consider various options for his next fight targeted April or May. I wanted to put that out there because um, anyway, also there was quotes out there saying, I'm going to talk. Uh, about those belts in the division with my with my promoter, my father. If I can't fight for the title at 122 next, I'll take it. Oh, I'll take it. Don't want to tune up. Oh, if I can fight for one of those belts at 122. I read that wrong. Um, and this is Jay Rose saying, anyway, saying he wants the next fight in April or May. He wants to go straight up for a champ. No tune-ups. So, and he, he put Cool Boy Steph and MJ in the so, kind of, uh, you know, conflicting uh, reports. Eddie Hearn, I wanted to get this out in his IFL TV and other um, interviews. He said, um, you know, talking about Lawrence Coley, a lot of what Lawrence uh, said is not correct. We never asked him for 500,000 pounds to get out. Uh, he has a fight left. He claims the extra fight was signed off by his team and not him, but he accepted all terms and never mentioned it after. And also I found out that he actually is not with 258 anymore. Um, So that's something I wanted to report. Here's some breaking news by Broadway Joel. Elvis Rodriguez will be coming back January 28th on the Charlo Zoo card uh, against Joseph Adorno. I like that fight. That's a good, it's a good fight. Speaking of February, that's going to be in, or not speaking of February, this is in February. Two things in February. Uh, this is 
Boot Williams, uh, Jesse Hart fighting on a PB show, PBC show in February. Maybe Jesse Hart is a guy that uh, Morrell will. Maybe he's gonna. Maybe David Morrell is gonna fight on that card. I don't know. There was uh, this is Coppinger and many other people reporting this. PBC is planning to stage a vacant IBF junior welterweight title fight between Sabril Matias and Jer- uh, Jeremiah Ponce on February 11th. Sources told ESPN PBC won the rights. Blah blah blah. And I'm hearing that's going to be. That this is what I'm hearing now. I don't know for a fact, but I'm hearing that's going to be at the uh, Armory. That's what I'm hearing. Um. This is Rob. Mauricio Solomon says the WBC has received a 270-page document regarding Conor Ben's two averse analytic VADA test. Uh, VADA test. Suleiman says the WBC will consult with experts in different uh, areas before finding a re- resolution, but gives no time scale on this. So we'll see. We will see what happens there. Here's another uh February WBC eliminator talk that Cavaloskis and Crowley, Cody Crowley and Cavaloskis, yeah, that might be happening here in February. Um, yo, this is a follow up. This is Marco Tega. He says this. He was on uh, Tiafimo was on State of Boxing on ESPN. He says um, it was strategic. There was a report by Dave Meltzer that Terrence Crawford, David Evanesian did 5,000 pay-per-view buys. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I have no clue. Uh, I'm not even going to act like I know. For, you know what I mean? No, no clue at all. No clue at all. If that's true, if it's – I mean, I don't think it'd go over 100,000. That's for damn sure. But um, I, don't, I don't know that to be a fact. There was this tweet out there that people ran with, though, that was a fake account. Fighters and vendors. So basically, here's what it was. So Fight Hype put out a tweet saying, all money ain't good money, especially when you don't get it all. Hashtag sources. Fake account that's supposed to be BLK Prime, but it was a fake account uh, that a lot of people went with and retweeted and all that shit. They didn't check before they retweeted it, but it it had like one follower. Fighters and vendors will receive all monies owned after revenue from gate, pay-per-views, and sponsor are accounted for. Please be patient with us. We're a new operation. But that that was a fake tweet. And we haven't heard anything of the sort. You know what I mean? We haven't heard anything of the sort of saying nobody got paid or anything like that. So... To me, up until we hear it, I, 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 I think it's a bunch of bullshit, to be honest with you. Up until we hear is an issue. Um, oh, Garcia, instead of fighting Mercito uh, Hesta, he is no longer going to fight him. He's going to go straight to the Jermont Day fight. Um, been thinking about These are quotes from him. He says, been thinking about it during the time uh, they were figuring out this fight. I feel... The fans and everyone supports boxing have seen these tune-ups. Garcia said this on the social media. Um, he will no, he's confirmed he will no longer fight in January. It 
it's time that we give the fans what they want. Um, also, Davis requested a tune-up, not me. So let him handle the business. And, and we kind of heard that was the opposite. So I don't know what's true there. Um, I refuse to do another tune-up. I'm ready for the moment, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Which, you know, I get it. You can get hurt. It is a risk. You know what I mean? You could definitely get hurt. Now, his um, promoter said this on Sunday on Boxing Scene, De La Hoya on Garcia, you know, for for going to tune-up ahead of a tank fight. He said, I strongly feel it's a big mistake. So, it's a big mistake. Look, Tank Davis is going to take a tune-up fight, which I don't think it's a tune-up, but yeah. His tools are going to be very sharp for when he faces Ryan Garcia in April. Ryan, you know, decided to bypass it. I strongly feel it's a big mistake, but we all have to do is uh, what we all have to do is wish him the very best and tell him to stay in shape, stay in the gym, continue to train, sparring, stay focused, and wait for that big day. So, yeah. There you go. There you have it. There you have it. I did hear Canelo got a statue um, for him. I think in his hometown, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that part. But um, then he got a statue. Oh, by the way, Broner and Redcatch. Broner and Redcatch. BLK Prime pay-per-view event now scheduled for February 25th in Atlanta. I think it is funny with this. This BLK Prime, it's like, give it a chance, man. Give it a chance. I, I support nude stuff. And there's some people out there that bought that pay-per-view and were, like, really proud that they bought the pay-per-view and they're supporting something. And that's cool. Everyone has an entertainment value thing. But as we know, that wasn't a quote-unquote pay-per-view-worthy fight, just like uh, Ortiz and Martin, which cost the same amount of money. Now, the card was much better. Ortiz and Martin, but that shouldn't have been on pay-per-view, just like uh, Thurman and Barrios shouldn't have been on pay-per-view, or uh, um, name another PPC. Ruiz against uh, Ariola, right, last year. That shouldn't have been on pay-per-view. And that's, that's, that's these are all fair things. That, yeah, it shouldn't have been on pay-per-view. It is what it is, right? But it is kind of wild that now you're going to support a pay-per-view of fights that shouldn't be on pay-per-view. So you spend so much of your time on your podcast, your YouTube channel, or on Twitter, dumping on the PBC for certain pay-per-views. Like I said, I get it. I get it. We dumped on them too. But then you're going to turn around and support, you know, fights that shouldn't be on pay-per-view. So you're going to support. Look at their second card. So you think Broner and Redcatch should be on pay-per-view? Like it's just. It's so ignorant. It's like, oh, really? That's funny. So you're not showing your bias at all, then. You know, it's just—it's really funny. Dude. It's really, really funny. Um. So yeah, there, there. Speaking of that Regis Progray, right? The Regis Progray stuff, and the uh, and the Jose Ramirez. This is Lefty saying, "Well, it looks like Regis and Gary Antoine Russell, if Tio passes on, on the fight." And that would be a bomb-ass fight. But, yeah, they just – what they do is, like we said in the past, they just go down the line. That's why, you know, on the ranking system. So that's why a lot of – you know, there's people that are pissed at Boots Ennis, his, you know, his next opponent. Okay, cool, but 
they're, they're just going off the rating system. So, you know, at times they follow the rules, at times they don't, but this is a real basic rule. And uh, like I said, you just go down the line. It's a little different, but that's what you do. So on one hand, people praise the IBF, some of these same people that are dumping on Boots and his opponent. That's cool. But yet you praise the IBF because they're quick on the draw to, like, make, you know, the fighter fight the Mando. But look at their fucking rankings. Not in everyone. Some of them are legit. But it's just kind of funny, dude. It's just kind of funny how that works. Um, also, a rumor, Frank Martin. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I already said this one. Edwin De, De Los Santos. Man, sign me up for that. That is a good fight. I would like that fight. Any of the ones I mentioned, I think, I think would be legit. Um, Ray Jackson, where you could take this, you know, for real or not, whatever, but I have heard more than just him um, say this, that uh, Erickson Lubin and Brian Castaño are in talks. That'd be a good fight. That'd be an interesting fight. Um, oh, they were talking about, so this tweet is somebody talking about the main of that main of oh the Garcia Hesta that the main of that Louis Neri in um, Hovigian or Hovanishin um, would be a better main event uh, together with Oscarito and Mendez uh, Colazo and Mendez and Neri and Hovanishian yeah I agree that would be that would be good if you could put that all on the card obviously you're not going to put it on the card now because it's not going to fight but um, yeah, that would be that. That worked for me. Oh, so so there is some quotes here from Robert Garcia. Um, this was I think it was on Boxing Social. Uh, he basically has some advice after the split from Joshua leaving. He said, "Stop being the boss. You gotta let you gotta let you gotta let shit go." He says Anthony called me and told me. Uh, what he was doing, and I respect that. I understand the way he sees things, and I honestly wish him the best, even if uh, it was me again. From what I understand, he's trying to fight sometime in the spring. Having to go to camp in England would be very difficult for me, as I, I know Jose is going to be fighting around that time. It's funny that that just came up. It's very fucking difficult, and I've got to train my ass off to get him ready for that fight. So... He also goes, my personal advice, and I told him and all of his team right before I left, the next day, um, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's me again. Or, you know, he, he needs to change his camp or camps around. He needs to be – he needs to go to the United States. He needs to train in the gym with young guys who are looking up to you. Um, and you cannot say, today I don't want to spar because I'm tired. I didn't sleep enough last night, so I don't want to train today. Um, and that, that's that whole boss thing. Um, it's not about Derek James doing better, Virgil doing better, me doing better than the previous trainer. It's about getting him out of his comfort zone and not being the boss and doing what he's told to do in a place where he's not comfortable. He's very talented. His power is insane. He needs to believe in himself. So basically, like, hey, dude, like the headline said, stop being the boss. You know, let, let's do this. Let's do this. You got 
you got to just give yourself up to a trainer and, and let that person do it. All right, a little boxing Twitter, and then we'll get out of here. Boxing Twitter segment. Tia Fima, oh, God, this fucking one. Oh, my God. Tia Fima's behavior is very worrisome. I feel he's going down the same path as Edwin Valero, and I sure hope I'm wrong. Gabriel Montoya said Valero would never lost to Gambosos. But to sit here and, okay, he's having some problems with his family and his dad and all this stuff, right? He's got lack of confidence, whatever. He's insecure, whatever. But to sit there and say his behavior, so what, any dude that has issues, ongoing issues with their wife or their girlfriend or their baby mom, whatever, they could just go right to, we're just going to go right to the Edwin. I mean, he's going down the same path as Edwin Valero. Dude, I remember like in the 80s and 90s, I don't know if the divorce rate's still at this, but it was like a 50% divorce rate. So are half the dudes going down that Edwin Valero path? Like, that's a fucking joke of a tweet. Wow, dude. Um, Someone said over the top of that tweet, I have never seen a leap quite like that in all my life. It's actually impressive. It's like, no shit. As someone who constantly is in community, this is Chris uh, Clover, or Glover, sorry. Uh, as someone who constantly in communication with Lopez team, this is absolute bizarre. Do you realize Valero was a wild political activist that murdered his wife? Like, seriously. And that that is obviously shit. Frank Martin versus, this is before the fight, obviously. Frank Martin, Michelle Rivera is a type of boxing, a type of fight boxing needs way more of. At the same time, this fight is a perfect reflection of the fractured nature of the sport. These fighters are only known by diehard fans, which that's true. And even amongst those, they're only truly respected by PBC fans. So you're saying that Martin and Rivera on the, the anti-PBC, they're just not respected at all as fighters. It's such a weird thing. Um, this is Adam from SN Boxing. A skill that is rarely talked about in boxing, not getting knocked out. There's an art to fighting while hurt. DeBella says Ali was perhaps the best in that area. Indeed, Holmes, Holyfield were both great as well. Yeah, no kidding. It is true. It is true. And, and I... I was like, I, I added on to that. Um, I think it's a great statement. And it, you know, we talked a little bit on Twitter about uh, Jared Anderson and how it was kind of like, I'm not going to say it's a full-on red flag, like, oh, my God, but it's something to keep an eye on. Like, just because he got hit flush multiple times doesn't mean he has to throw 100-plus uh, punches and gas himself out in the future, you know? Um, I think that's a good, really good tweet. Uh, this is Gritty from the Underground. Why is everyone suddenly downplaying Monster Inua career? He's a generational talent for sure, so I don't understand the bashing. It's okay to rock with Fulton and acknowledge Inua as a terrific fighter. And he says, I, I, I think uh, Steph would win by decision, by the way. But damn. And this is a perfect, this is why it's on a box of Twitter. That's a great tweet, but also... It's how boxing Twitter works. You can't have two thoughts at once. <laughs> so true, man. So, so true. Um, Navrete, Wilson, and Barboza Pedraza finalized for February 3rd. 
that February 3rd date that we, they, they were talking about. Um, so that's a Friday on ESPN. Liam Wilson, he's an Australian contender. Some people are kind of bummed out that this is the replacement. Um, so they're going to fight for the WBO, vacant WBO, uh, 130-pound uh, belt February uh, Friday, February 3rd. Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona. Arizona getting more fights. That's dope. Uh, the co-feature Barboza and Pedraza. I'm kind of looking for that. And also Richard Torres, the uh, silver medalist. So for those to be on the cards. Um, couple more, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Coppinger is a propagandist who reports what certain teams tell him to report, and that's not journalism. He says that TNR, Pro, TR top rank, and Probellum don't do business, but in the same tweet says Jose pushed hard for the fight, and in the same thread says he wants to fight in the future. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of – that's what's kind of funky about this stuff. Canelo Alvarez reveals he has a pos- he had positive talks with Jake Paul and his team about a potential Cinco de Mayo fight in 2023. I also heard him saying, well, um, I'd be down to fight in the U.K., but we still got to work out the fight, you know, Ryder and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, Jake Paul has revealed, and Jake Paul said he revealed that his team has been in touch with Canelo's lawyer over a potential clash. Uh, we have talked to his lawyer, and I think he's getting to a place where he sees how serious I am. Um, he told Anthony Pompolino in an interview. Pompolino? I think at first everyone thought it was a joke, and my mouth was bigger than my actions, but now they're 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 matching. Especially if a fight, especially if the fight is in a year from now or two years from now, I'm sparring people that were in both uh, both of their training camps in the trilogy. Golovkin, I'm sparring Golovkin's partners and Canelo, Ron Ellis, all of the guys that I'm sparring people both the camps. Blah blah blah. I think the fight with Canelo would be entertaining spectacle. I don't think anyone has got in Canelo's head, and I feel like I can. Um, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So it's from the mirror. <laughs> so, I mean, that's – we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Oh, here it is. Errol Spence Jr. just announced he'll be back in the ring around May or June. By then, he'll already been out of the ring for a year. He can't keep taking long layoffs like this, man. It's like, dude, someone below him, Danny, was like, blame the 14-year-old. Could have crashed into him, dude. Like, it, some of these people just don't – it's like they don't think. Bob Santos, this is gritty again. Bob Santos is definitely the hardest working man in boxing 2022. He's been everywhere, literally. Yeah, he really has. Um, oh, here's a boxing scene headline. I saw some other people headline with this too, saying Mikey Garcia contemplating return, says Robert Garcia. And Garcia said a whole article of a joke of set, on the setback channel. So that's kind of funny. Um, so that's bullshit. Also, rumors about uh, Thurman Crawley. Yeah, I, I, that's a rumor. I, I believe the other one a little bit more. This is uh, Adrian Delgado, really good follow on Twitter. Knows his boxing. Frank Martin is a problem at 135. It's not just the elite athleticism and explosiveness, but he's physically strong, too. Those physical abilities 
paired with a teacher like Derek James is a dangerous combination. Looking forward to watch his development. Yeah, dude, I mean, he's, this last year, he, um, Um, if Spence takes a fight with anyone other than Crawford, it's a duck. Just putting it on the record. Y'all enjoy your Thurman fight, though. So this dude is the one protecting Crawford as if you could never call what Crawford did a duck. But then if Spence fights somebody else and takes a different fight, because Crawford left the negotiation, then that's his right to leave. This guy says there's Amnesian wasn't a duck. But Keith Thurman would be a duck. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, I think... Could Showtime secure Ennis a better fight? Al Heyman, Al Heyman doesn't have Boots' uh, best interest in mind. Uh, that's a fair question. Now, it does go off those rankings. But, yeah, could you step aside somebody or whatever? Sure. Sure, uh, I can see that. This is uh, role boxing. In some ways, Michael Rivera's, uh, Michelle Rivera's real pro career started Saturday. Does he dig in and go get better learning from the loss? Sometimes you have to learn uh, where you are to figure out how to get where you want to go. Sometimes you have to learn where you are. Oh, yeah, to figure out. Yeah, that's true. It'll be interesting to see him uh, come back. I think that's about it. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I'm going to get out of here. If you, whatever you celebrate, you know, Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Maybe you don't celebrate anything. Just have fun with the family. Try to stay safe, obviously, in a lot of parts of the country. It's going to be cold as a motherfucker. That's why I'm bringing up Texas and some other states because they're not as ready for it, obviously, as we are up here. So I hope everybody stays safe. Um, I know as far as the Midwest, it's going to be windy as fuck. Dude. There's supposed to be like 40, 50 mile an hour winds. So um, it's not, even if it only snows like 8 or 10 inches, you know, if you're on the highway, and it's blowing 40 or 50 miles an hour, that shit. The snow, there's already snow on the ground, obviously, a a large layer, and then if it gets more, that shit can go over a road and shit like that, especially like an old country road, too, not just a highway. And it can can be kind of ugly. So just drive safe. Uh, I'm going to do the same. And uh, enjoy this holiday. And, you know, if you have friends, family, maybe you're alone, uh, I wish the best for you. And, uh, you know, get some uh, downtime in if possible. Some people have to work the holidays. I get it. Um, I work plenty of holidays as well, so I totally get that. Anyway, not trying to be too sappy, but enjoy some family time. I know I'm going to go up up north there, up northern Minnesota, um, and enjoy time with my sister and her husband and all my nephews and nieces. So enjoy the time. Like I said, we'll be back next week. I'm hoping to do it Monday, but don't tie it. To me, okay? But the, the year in review 2022 is coming at you. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. 
to now when and as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, or the the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you come over champion, you're like, you know what, that made it. That was so you. 